show of hands, how many of you, is this on, hello? Check, one, two, we good? All right, how many of you have ever been in a fight before? Maybe when you were younger or something, anyone willing to admit? There's, yeah, quite a few hands, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm not talking about like just some um, argument, but some actual physical altercation. Quite a few hands went up there. This may surprise you, but I have never been in a physical altercation, and, and the reason that may surprise you is because you would think by now, like a Purdue fan or a Cardinal fan would, you know, want to hit me or something, but I also had kind of a loud mouth growing up, hard to believe, maybe not, Um, but I actually, I have my sister to thank because when I was a freshman in high school, she was a junior, so nobody touched me because of her, and it was basically like I was known for a few years there as Carrie's little brother, so no one's going to mess with me, no one's going to put me in a locker or anything. So shout out to my sister. Thank you for that. Um, Also, I remember when I was on staff at a church in Florida, there was one day where they were going around and they were talking about their hunting stories and all their times of like their fights on the playgrounds and like all this, you know, tough stuff that they've been through. It got to me and I was like, well, one time I used to take my baseball bat outside and hit lightning bugs, (laughs) if that counts. That's like my, uh, that's like my story of physical altercation. So uh, overall, I've done a pretty good job in my life of keeping the peace. Uh, I've been in some situations where maybe friends were on, you know, two different sides, and they were, they were fighting, and I tried to keep the peace among them. And uh, this morning, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, where he said a very simple phrase, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, if we just take one glance at how the world is today, it's obvious how relevant his words uh, from 2,000 years ago are, blessed are the peacemakers. In today's world, this can be a challenge, especially thanks to social media and texting and technology, uh, the political climate that we live in. It can be tough uh, to live in peace with others. It can be tough to be a peacemaker, but if we want to follow Jesus, it is something that we should strive for. Before we talk about living with peace with others, living in peace with others, however, we first have to learn how to be at peace with God. If we love God, it becomes easier to love his children. If we're at peace with God, it becomes easier to live in peace with his children. We've been going through a series in the book of Romans uh, called Come Alive. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Romans 5 today. And in the last few weeks, Daryl, as he's been preaching through Romans, He has been talking about the wrath of God and how the wrath of God is real, but Jesus came so that we'd be covered, so we don't have to be afraid. And the truth is, when God looks at your life, one of two things is going to happen. He is either going to see your sin if you don't have Christ, or he's going to look at your life, and if you do have Christ, he's going to see the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus took on our sin. He paid that penalty for us. That is why the gospel is such good news. Look at what it says, the very first verse there in Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't have peace with God because we're good people. We don't have peace with God because of some spiritual checklist that we follow. We can only have peace with God through Christ. I believe with all my heart that there is a peace that only God himself can give in this life. 
And I hope it's something you've experienced before. Kind of like the video, the powerful video that we just watched. When you hear of someone and their story, someone who was addicted, someone who struggled with something in life, and somehow they, they end up feeling this peace that only God can give, a peace like never before. Or uh, if, you, if you get bad news at the doctor's office, and it's hard, but somehow there's still that element of peace that only God can give. Or when you go to a funeral of a loved one, a fellow believer, very difficult to go through, yet again, somehow there's that peace that only God can give. It's something that Paul calls a peace that passes all understanding. I love when students in the youth group over the years uh, come to me with questions uh, about God, about life, about their future. Uh, one question that I get quite a bit deals with how to choose a college, uh, how to know when God is calling me to do something, how do I know what to do with my life. And a lot of times, um, my answer to that is another question. I ask them, are you at peace with it? Uh, take something like choosing a college. There, there's multiple choices there. There may not be one uh, right or wrong answer, but is God leading you? Do you feel at peace with that decision? The same thing can be said for whether or not to take that job offer, whether or not to stay in that relationship that you're unsure about, uh, among other decisions in life. Do you have that peace that only God can give about it? The key is to listen to his voice and not the outside voices. And the question today that I want you to consider is, are you at peace with God? If you were to stand before him today, would you be at peace with that? This is the same God that calmed a storm with his mouth. He looked directly into the storm, and he said these words, peace be still. And the storm immediately died down, and scripture says there was a great calm. Do you have that sense of calm in your life when it comes to your relationship with him? Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So it can be difficult to live in peace and to have peace in this life when you turn on the news and you see nothing but tragedy, pain, racism, violence, war, all this stuff that's going on. But Jesus actually said these words, this, this world will give you trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world. Let's continue looking at this text, a few verses following here. here. So again, again, it says, Therefore, since, since we have been justified through faith, faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Paul, Paul is saying, saying through, through Christ, Christ and Christ alone, we have, we have peace, and we have actually gained access into this grace, and it's now a grace in which we now stand. If we could earn our way into salvation, if we could earn God's grace on our own, there would have been no need for Jesus to go to the cross in the first place. Now, there's a verse in Galatians that's always stuck with me, and something I hope sticks with everyone. It says in Galatians that if righteousness could be gained by following the law, then Christ, Christ died for nothing. nothing. If we, we could earn our salvation, then Christ died for nothing. So, so if you don't have peace with God right now in your life, maybe it's simply because you've been relying too much on yourself and haven't given it all to him. 
His grace and His peace are offered to us if we simply accept those gifts and live in them. Now, God's grace is something that we will never fully be able to comprehend. I can't even begin to fathom how amazing His grace really is. And there's an analogy that I like to share um, that tries to explain it. And imagine for a minute that you are driving extremely fast somewhere. Not too hard to imagine for some of us. Um, imagine that you are you're going so fast for whatever reason that you are going, let's say, 85 and a 40. And you happen to see a police officer and you know what's coming. You know there's, there's absolutely no way out of it. I deserve this ticket. Actually, a ticket may be the best case scenario. I may lose my license, go to driving school or whatever else. So you know what's coming. That would be justice if you were given the ticket. Now, mercy would be if somehow he lets you go. Maybe maybe he knows your dad or something. And somehow, mercy, and you're let go. Now, if he were to come back from his car and say, okay, you're going 85 and 40, here is a $400 ticket, but also here is a check to pay for it. That is great. Because of our sin, we, we don't deserve salvation, we don't deserve heaven, but through the cross, Jesus paid our way. He's paid the penalty that we deserve. That's why his grace is so amazing. That's why we can have peace with God, because of what he did on the cross. Look at these next few verses here in Romans 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This section of scripture is one of my favorites in the entire Bible. I've actually talked about Romans 5.8 before in the previous message. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't, it doesn't say when we got our lives right, he died for us, or you get your life right and you can come to him. While we were still sinners, he knew we were going to sin. He knew we were sinners, he knew we were going to continue sinning, and he still died for us. So we've got to stop trying to earn grace, trying to earn peace with him. It's already been done. Religion says do, Jesus says done. Jesus' last words on the cross, it is finished. The old covenant, which was like Basically, a contractual agreement between God and his people. You do this, this will happen. You don't do this, this will happen. Kind of a contract relationship. Jesus came to bring a new covenant. Old covenant is finished, the new covenant is here, and through Jesus, we have access into this grace and this peace that only he can give. And it's because of that that it is up to us to live in peace with others. The verses that we just read, and there's a couple more verses in Romans that talk about this idea of reconciliation, being reconciled with God. Sin separates us from God. Through Christ, we are reconciled. 
Well, well in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, listen to this. Paul says, famous verse in the beginning, sometimes we, we uh, don't read the second part of it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you have a way, if you'd like to underline stuff in your Bible, I would underline that or put notes in your phone. He has given us an actual ministry of reconciliation. That word means to restore two things, to take something that's broken and restore it, bringing broken things and putting them back together. God has given us, not ministers, all Christians, the ministry of reconciliation. And again, I know the only way for me to have reconciliation with God is through Christ. Not, not by anything I've done, done, so I would not have any right to ignore that, that ministry of reconciliation towards others. others. I've been called to be part of the solution, not, not the problem. Another verse to, to think about, Hebrews 12, 14. I love these first three words especially. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and then to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We should, we should be honest, honest with ourselves and ask that question. Have I been making every effort to live in peace with all men? What about the person that wronged me? What about the person who voted differently than me? What about the person who believes in something that I just can't? We have a ministry of reconciliation and we are called to make every effort to live in peace with all men. The sooner we realize that we're all sinners, the better off that we will be. And the truth is, as we all know, people are going to let us down. Even the ones we love the most, people will mess up because the people. And I've heard it said before that loving and serving like Jesus means loving and serving the very people that you know will disappoint you. Think about this. We may not even have the New Testament if it wasn't for people screwing up. Outside of the Gospels, which, which has a lot of people screwing up in there too. But, but think about what the bulk of the New Testament is. It's Paul going around and, and visiting and writing to these churches that have gotten off track. All these Christians and all these churches where they, they screwed things up in some way and through love, instead of saying forget these people, through love he wanted to help them get back on the right track. Now I'm absolutely not going to get political in this message, but I do feel like the topic of politics uh, is something that should be mentioned here. And you can ask that question, is it even possible to live in peace with all men when it comes to political conversations? The answer needs to be yes. And I, I will just be honest, um, based on what I see on social media especially, the things that people post, um, I, it seems to me that a lot of Christians not all of them, but a lot of Christians seem to me like they care more about making political points than they care about sharing Christ. And instead of approaching those conversations with grace and maybe actually trying to hear out the other side, maybe trying to hear out someone who's hurting, uh, it's like they just want to win an argument. Bob Goff says this, I love this quote. He says, this world needs our love way more than it needs our opinions. He also said, sadly, whenever I make my opinions more important than the difficult people God made, I turn the wine back into water. Now hear me out. I absolutely believe that Jesus Christ cares deeply 
about political topics. But you know what? He cares about people more. And believe it or not, there is a way to stand up for what you believe. Uh, there's a way to share your opinion at times when it's necessary. Man, we need to do it in a loving way. Because as it says in Hebrews, we need to make every effort to live in peace with all men. Andy Stanley says it like this. He talks about peace even among churches. He says, most problems that arise in a church happen when somebody chooses a view over a person. How many problems in the world and in churches could be solved if we would start thinking about the person first and our opinion second? Jesus said these words. This is how they'll know you're my disciple. By your Facebook posts, right? <laughs> or your T-shirts, your bumper stickers. No. He said, this is how I know you're my disciple, by how you love one another. I also love what Timothy Keller said in an article in the Christian Post. He said, and he said, I'm sorry if this offends, but he said, Jesus would not have been 100% of either political party and, and if, if you look, look at the early church in the book of Acts, some of the things that they fought for would seem to align more with one side, and some of the things they fought for would seem to align with the other side. It's not about telling anyone how to vote or what side to believe in the most. Um, it's, it's your right to completely vote however you like, and it's okay to share your opinions. But again, we've got to do it through love. We've got to find a way to share Jesus and try to, find, try to make peace in this world. But in today's world, everybody wants to pick a side. Everyone wants to be right. Uh, again, so few people want to listen to the other side. So let's be better. You know, Christians all over the world, let's be better, and we have to be better. I'm thankful for the times in my life when I pressed delete instead of send, or delete instead of post. When I really just stopped and thought about, am I just trying to win a debate? Am I, is, is what, what I'm saying really going to benefit other people? Is, is this post actually christ like or is it not? And I've got friends on both sides, and uh, both Christian and non-Christian, not just with political views, but really any kind of current event or anything that's going on. Uh, I see it. I see all sides. I want to do the best that I can to listen, to be patient, to be gentle, Share my opinion when it's necessary. I don't believe, you know, I don't believe people need my opinion on every single uh, topic that comes out. Um, but I need to pray about it and I need to do it in a loving way because too many Christians turn the world away from Jesus because of their opinions. And a lot of times it's just about their approach. I know this much, though, speaking of peace, um, unity is a big deal with God. Psalm 133, oh, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in perfect unity. And you know, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, somebody asked him after he said that, who's my neighbor? And that's when we get the story, the famous story of the Good Samaritan. And if you remember in that story, he shared how a man was beaten to death, nearly to death, left on the side of the road, and some people passed by, a priest and Levite passed by, and then a Samaritan stopped. One thing we don't always think about is how much Samaritans and Jews despise one another. 
is a way bigger difference than the right and the left in our politics, a way bigger difference than just someone down the street that maybe doesn't like you. These people despise one another. And he shares the story of the Samaritans stopping the help. So, so through that, that, loving your neighbor does not mean just loving those who look like you, talk like you, vote like you, believe everything like you. Loving your neighbor means loving every single person. And that includes someone like an illegal immigrant. Again, that's not something that you have to say that you agree with this person living here. But should you still love that person? According to the Bible, if you want to follow Christ, the answer is yes. Your neighbor includes the person who doesn't like you, the atheist, homosexual, person of a different religion. We've got it all wrong if we think we're only supposed to love the people that are like us. A few years ago, I had, a, had an idea to bring something to the youth of this area, and it's something called Unite Seville. Some, Some of you may have heard about it. You can look us up on uh, social media. But over the last few years, we've taken a break this last year, but we're going to start it up again this fall. Uh, I had a, a goal in mind to, to bring unity to youth groups here. And so we started doing these events, usually about three or four times per year. We would go to a different building every time. Um, we would bring in Christian speakers, comedians, illusionists. We would have nights of prayer. We would have nights of just worship. We had uh, students come up on stage from like every youth group and every school. We had nice built t-shirts that you can see on the screen. And uh, the goal was very simply, you know, I want kids growing up in this community um, knowing that there can be such thing as unity. And sometimes even churches that are on the same team struggle with this. And it's, it's like, like if, if other if non-believers are going to look at the division among churches and like they can't get along and they don't they don't work together, it's not really a team that they want to be part of. So the only way for us to make progress for the kingdom is by coming together, putting aside differences. I remember a story, heartbreaking story of years ago when there was the, uh, the school shooting at Columbine High School. I think it was in the '90s, and I heard a story of how. The churches in that community came together after that. And when somebody would say, like, well, our church does communion like this, or our church does, uh, you know, whatever like this, they started to say, you know what, we've got to come together. We're going to serve communion in four different ways, however you want to take it. We're going to have opportunities of being unified instead of being apart. And I just remember when I heard that story, I just remember thinking, why would we have to wait for a tragedy to come together? Living in peace with all men includes other churches, believers of different denominations. Um, again, we've, we've got to live in peace among churches and then do our best to make living in peace with all men. Unity is a mindset. Living in peace is a mindset. Loving others is a mindset. And as that passage in Romans states, we were once enemies with God, but we've been reconciled through Christ. We've been justified through his blood. Christ died for us even though Sinners. Our view of God should shape our view of everything else. You may have heard this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because by it I see 
everything else. My relationship with God impacts my relationship with others. So if I'm getting closer to God, the better I'm going to be at loving others. If I'm not living in peace with other men, maybe that's my wake-up call to get closer to God, find a way to spend more time with Him, to start to, start to see His heart in people around me. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. Before we do that, I want you just to consider this. This is actually a thought that I shared um, a few years back for a communion meditation, but it fits today's uh, sermon. Like the classic movie, Wizard of Oz. Remember in that movie, if you've seen it, if you haven't, you can go watch it. Um, if you've seen that movie, Dorothy and her friends, for the first time, are standing before the great powerful Oz. His face is up on this big, big screen, a big curtain, and there's a smoke, it's loud, he's yelling at them. They, they don't know what to say, they don't know if they can even approach him. They're just trembling in fear, and they were told to go to him, but he's not very approachable, and they don't know what to do. I believe that too many people treat God like that, as if he is this unapproachable being, as if all he wants to do is yell at his children, someone you have to be afraid of. Well, as we've been learning through Romans, his wrath is real, but if you have Jesus in your life, his forgiveness is real, too. Hebrews teaches us something quite different than that Wizard of Oz approach to God. That verse that says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So if you want your life to change forever, make peace with God and approach His throne. It's one thing communion is about, approaching His throne. But we approach it with confidence, knowing of His grace, knowing He'll forgive you. Knowing you can have peace with him. Love God, love others. Make peace with God, make peace with others. If we do these things, we will truly come alive in this life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. There's a chance to worship you freely. A chance to dig into your word. I pray that it impacts us. I pray that we, this day and every day, from now on, that we can have peace with you and make every effort to live in peace with others. Thank you for these moments that we share together, these moments where we can partake communion and approach your throne of grace with confidence. We love you, Jesus' name we pray.